Hey now, it's Steve Siva for Bionic Buzz. Welcome to Lucky Number Seven. That's right, we're already up to episode seven here at the Bionic Buzz Celebrity Interview Podcast. And once again, we got some great interviews. But before we get into it, I want to give a shout out to TNT for their brand new series. Well, actually, it's not brand new. So, um, I thought it was brand new, but it's actually this is season two. TNT: The Alienist, Angel of Darkness. Uh, I'm a huge AEW wrestling fan, and it airs every Wednesday night on TNT, and I've been seeing tons of commercials for this, and then I got a press release about it, and they sent me uh, a advanced screener of this. So season two uh, premieres, uh, two hours actually, the first two episodes this Sunday, and I actually went into it not knowing there was a first season, and it's got a crazy talented cast, like movie quality type cast. And then this, these sets are amazing. I mean, this whole thing feels like a big budget movie. TNT's The Alienist, Angel of Darkness, stars Dakota Fanning, Daniel Brill, and Luke Evans. Why, thank you, Mr. Robot Voice Guy. I always appreciate you helping me out as a dyslexic person. He's always afraid they might pronounce someone's name wrong. If you ever wonder why I use the robot voice, right? And plus, it's better not just listen to my voice the whole freaking time on this podcast. So anyway, back to uh, TNT's The Alienist. And uh, this show is so good. Um, yeah, it's about... It's, I love the time period. It's really, like, very late, like, 1897 New York. And just the costumes in the set is amazing as itself. Um, the show is, like, unflinching, gripping, turn-of-the-century murder mystery... Uh, follows New York's wealth elite and struggling underbelly of the city, you know, so you can just picture this in your head, you know, New York City during this time period. Uh, the alienist follows Dr. Laszlo, who plays by actor Daniel, and uh, this, this guy, I could listen to him talk all day. He's, I mean, uh, he's so amazing. The, the way he talks about people's minds and stuff, it's so interesting. Like, so uh, he deals with mental health and, uh, it was, well, it's kind of a controversial new field of treating mental health during this time period, which is really interesting. So, um, also in it is a newspaper writer uh, named John Moore, played by actor Luke Evans, and um, and then there's Sarah Howard, who plays by Dakota Fanning, and oh, she's an amazing actress, and she's like the city's first female police detective, and now she's opening her own private detective agency. And some crazy stuff's going on where these um, infants are being missing throughout New York City. And um, one shows up in a doll store. So they switch the clothes with this doll and the kid. We don't know where the kid is. And um, this is like the second time it's happened. And the problem is, if you those don't know history, um, the Spanish-American War is looming so right now the public really doesn't like Spain right now and it's because uh, Spain occupied Cuba and Puerto Rico at the time and we were they were fighting for their independence America wanted to jump on board and help them out so there's this growing thing and of course the the kidnapped girl or baby infant is a daughter of um, a Spanish consular uh, who's in New York City. So she's kind of scared to go to police about this because, like I said, there's tension between that. So she goes to Dakota Fanning's character, Sarah, and you get go, going down this crazy path, and I am just so hooked on this series. Uh, so here it is. There was a first season. It was just called The Alienist back in 2018. 
I don't know why. Now it's called The Alienist Angel of Darkness. I guess it's kind of based on the books that these are about, which I had no idea about. But I just kept seeing his commercials for this on TNT every Wednesday night. So I was like, this looks really interesting. So you don't need to see the first season to get into the series. You know, I already kind of established these characters, who they are in this world, and it's amazing. So watch the first two episodes this Sunday, and then I'm going to have new episodes every Sunday after that. So, all right. Now it's time to get in some interviews. So I watched this screener of this Paramount movie called Mighty Oak, uh, I think a week or two ago, and I absolutely love this film so much, uh, especially someone who's very passionate about music. You'll hear why I love this in the interviews. So take it away, robot voice guy. Interview with actors and musicians, Carlos Pena Viga and Tommy Ragan, stars of the new film, Mighty Oak. Out now on video on demand. Great. I'm so excited to talk about this movie. I absolutely loved it. Thank you so oh, I much. I guess we'll just wait for Carlos to be here in any minute or so. Mm -hmm. where, where, where are you at? Uh, where do you live? I live in San Diego, like down by the beach. Okay. So you basically got to live at home and drive to all the locations for <laughs> filming this. Yeah. I mean, it's weird. Like down here, down here, people are really like, they like people are not very cautious at all like i like it's like like you'll be like walking down by the beach like, like you know on the road like down by the beach and like no one will be wearing a mask like even even older people like it's yeah crazy. I, I i don't understand that at all it's not that hard to wear a mask <laughs> you know yeah no i know because like i mean like some i mean some people have to live without arms or legs or like be on a wheelchair their whole life like you can just wear a mask when you're walking outside you know it's not really that hard yeah yeah. Have you got inspired by anything going on? Write any songs about you know? Um, um yeah, I mean I, weirdly like I haven't been writing well, I've been writing a little bit about being inside, but mm -hmm. what I think that the the thing is that for me that's not very inspiring. Like it's not something I feel like I'm not I, I haven't like been good at like writing about that or like feeling inspired to write about that. And like I've just been like talking to my friends a lot or, like you know, hanging out with them, like, still social distancing and everything, but, like, yeah. I don't know, I feel like that's, like, like, having life experiences during these times and still, like, talking to people, it really helps with, like, writing and being creative, because I, I found that I was, like, kind of having creative block right when COVID started, and, like, no one could see each other at all, you know? I was yeah. the same way. I, I couldn't do any of my media stuff. It just yeah. didn't feel creative. It's really uninspiring, yeah. You know, exactly, so. Yeah, because cause people who are, like, not people who don't like I mean I guess you could call it like artists people who aren't artists like they don't understand like as much as it seems like this would be the best time for creating you can't just like always just naturally like be able to create you know or like be able to do work that is creative like if you're if it's not if you're not in an inspiring time or place you know uh well I guess we'll wait for Carlos tell me about your background when did you you know, here Bonic Buzz, we're all about people's passion. I want to know where your passion for music came from. Do you remember, like, the first time you picked up guitar? Was a was a certain album inspired you to start playing or a live performance or something just naturally for you? Yeah, so it's not the – so I was at a live performance, but it's not a live performance that inspired me. It was, like, mm -hmm. I, I met someone there. So I was at a Taylor Swift concert, and I met – yeah, this is my first concert, Taylor Swift, and I met this guy, uh, Cody Lovas. My dad was sitting right next to his dad. Uh, and, you know, I saw, so then he's like, oh, my son's a musician. So I saw him play. I felt really inspired. And 
and then my um uh, my sister started taking guitar lessons and like I was like you know what? I want to take guitar lessons and although I was like really young like I grew to really love it and like I I really enjoyed it mm-hmm. and um that's kind of where it all started that's where I grew my love for music that's cool and um, you wrote some of the songs for this, right? Or no, yeah, so uh, so all the songs, yeah. yeah, so all the songs that are in the the band play. So I wrote eight songs for the movie. So all, so I didn't write all the music for the soundtrack, but mm-hmm. uh, all the songs that the band play, like the original music that the Army of Love play, and then when I am in Army of Love, and, or when I'm in the band too, like the, I I wrote all of those songs, and um. Yeah, but I mean, there's a bunch of other songs on the soundtrack too. But um, yeah. Yeah, I was, I was trying to find a soundtrack. I, I I guess it's. I hope it's available at some point, or maybe I just didn't. Yeah. The well, problem is there's too many Mighty Oak stuff out there, music-wise. Mm-hmm, yeah. Well. That, yeah. I mean, I might. I think it will. Hmm, I think. I'll ask, I'll ask Carlos when he gets on. So, how did you get involved in this project? How did like Sean, the director, and Carlos was also one of the producers of this? You know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I so. Um, so, like, I, pretty much, like, my song, Chasing, that I wrote, like, in a way, like, inspired Mighty Oak, because it's, like, like, it has a, like, you know, it's, they almost, in a way, like, so my music was already in, in the movie, and I didn't get the part, but, like, like, I didn't get the part at first, but the movie was kind of based off my song, like, the director, because, um when they saw me and stuff like they wanted to use the music my music for the movie and um and like you know I obviously auditioned because I really you know I wanted the part and uh I mean I got a private audition and I I got the part and yeah I so it was kind of I a weird way to like yeah. get con- yeah I used to live in uh, Anaheim. Now I just moved to Orlando. But I mean, I loved going down to San Diego to see concerts and especially going for San Diego Comic-Con, which should be this week, sadly. Um, it was definitely cool seeing everything filmed in like Oceanside, North. Um, was it North Side of San Diego? Was it a, What was the concert yeah. venue? Was, was, so it was, so the, so there's concerts at the Belly Up and at Los Stacks West, which is a place that I've been performing at since I was like six, since I started playing guitar. And um, it was all filmed. The uh, most of it was filmed in in OB, just in San Diego. Like that's where all the scenes were. I mean, there were probably a few outside, but for the most part, it was all based in OB. And mm-hmm. you know, it, it's crazy because I mean, I I don't live there, but I've been down there so much. And the place that the, where the the whole the RVs and stuff were set up, um, I uh. I mean, I have, like, I, that's, like, kind of backstage for a concert place, so it's just, like, like, for a lot of the scenes, it was just, like, you know, I, I, it's home, pretty much, like, I've been there so many times, I've played so many shows there, mm-hmm. it was pretty crazy. Yeah, I, I love this movie, I mean, the music is amazing, and, and especially this day and age, uh, I love seeing more rock and roll kind of stuff on the screen, because now it's more, like, pop, techno, and... <laughs> The characters were so appalling in the story. I mean, this is why we love movies and and music because it makes us feel. I mean, going a roller coaster ride, we're down, we're up, and I mean, the very end of the movie really gave me chills. You know, I don't want to give it away, yeah. but you know. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but um, so yeah, I guess tell me your first. Uh, so you you um, you had to your song was already going to be in it, and then you had to see if you can actually be in the movie. And I, to me, it's like without you in the movie, it doesn't really work, you know. I mean, de- definitely, it was something where it's like, you know, 
they could they could have got another person. Obviously, if I wasn't ready, they definitely would have got another person. But it was something that's like it's too perfect of an opportunity to not go all out. Like you know, practice all. Like I, I mean, I worked really. I mean, I worked really hard to you know get this role. But at the same time, I mean, I, it was definitely like I definitely had an advantage over other kids because of the fact that like they already knew me through my music and the fact that in a way like in a like my like I was already part of the movie I was already part of the movie before I even got the role like confirmed so you know I felt like if I didn't get it it would have been it would have been like really weird and I would have felt like wow like was my whole life was this your first time like, acting like so basically you were just a musician kid mm-hmm. basically at this point or is that right so I went on the school of rock national tour so like I I've had had like a lot of experience acting before like I mean, not too much, but I, I mean, I went on the tour for like, for um, eight months, I think it was eight months. So I had had a lot of experience. I'm kind of going all over the place with this, but I also was in like some musicals and everything. So I, I hadn't really done any um, TV or movies yet. It's kind of a different style of acting, you know, in musicals. Yeah, but I feel like this, you kind of play in yourself. It's not like you really need to act too much, you know, so... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot of, I definitely worked hard to get the acting, but like, yeah, I, I guess, so, I mean, it, but it also felt natural, you know, it didn't feel mm-hmm. like I was trying to play someone else, but it felt like once I got the acting down, like, once I felt comfortable with acting, it kind of just, it kind of was just very natural playing Oak, you know, it felt like, it felt like, kind of like second nature act, because in a way, I just feel really connected to him, because like, of the music, and just in general, I don't know, he's a, character that I feel like very connected to. Hello, hello. Hey. What's I'm, up? I am so sorry. I've been having major uh Zoom issues. Oh, that's okay. uh, oh. On my yeah, main oh, yeah. so now I'm on my laptop and it always works on the laptop, but on my <laughs> on my computer it never it never works. Um I yeah. just had a thunderstorm come in. I'm in Florida and I was like it like Zoom actually crashed for a second. So I was like, oh no. So <laughs> No, I am well I'm so sorry. It's okay. You're here now, so uh, yeah. I was just talking about Tavi, how much I love this movie. I mean, this is why we love music. This is why we love films. We like to feel. We like to the ups and downs of these characters. And I mean, the ending of this movie really gave me chills. So, Carlos, how did you? Because you, you also produce besides starring in this. How did yeah, you yeah. get involved in this and discover Tommy? You know. Uh well, um, Tommy was actually part of the project be- before I came on, and Sean McNamara the director, I, I worked with him many years back on a movie called Spare Parts. And one of my favorite projects that, that I've done, it was just, you know, family friendly, uh, like a family vibe, uh, you know, on, on set. Uh, and it just, it just felt good. And Sean called me out of the blue one day and he goes, I have this project. There's this kid, he's super talented. And, um, and I have a role for your wife. What do you think? And I was like, well, that all sounds really good, but, but you know, let me read the script. So I read the script and, you know, um, I actually left Sean hanging for, for a couple of weeks. And, you know, he called me and said, look, we don't want this to just be you guys coming in as actors. Like we want you guys to come and, and produce this alongside with, with us. We, uh, you know, want you guys to, you know, give us your input, you know, everything. So after talking over with Lex, we decide to uh, jump on board, and let me tell you, from day one, it was it was a collaborative family effort. I mean, Tommy's dad is probably one of the coolest, nicest dads that I've ever met. 
and you know he just welcomed us with with open arms and uh i'll never forget we we you know we like showed up at at the uh, lafayette hotel and i'd never met this guy or anything and he goes what's up he was just like giving us hugs and everything and he said look order whatever room service you want i got you uh, and, and and he left and i told lex i was like that's a guy after my own heart literally <laughs> order anything like food it's a great is like hotel too heart. i've stayed there for comic-con so they, oh my god i mean service. listen the, the brussels sprouts and and steak it's like yes. a combo oh my goodness i mean i think i had it every night for the two weeks that i was there oh What's well, so Thank it's you going to the next thing? Uh, filming in San Diego. I mean, I used to live in Anaheim. I just moved to Florida, but it was fun seeing a lot of the locations there and, and Oceanside. And San Diego is just such a cool vibe. City. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I loved it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, I'm, I'm pretty lucky to live there. It's a pretty awesome vibe. Yeah. So I, I asked Tommy this earlier because the Bionic Buzz were all about people's passion. And I'm just curious, Carlos, where did your passion for music came from that led you down this? big time hmm. rush journey and everything was a certain album inspired or something that was just natural for you as a child you know you know i love um i love theater i love musical theater i don't know where that came from i just had this love for musical theater and uh, i think i was i don't know 10 or 9 and i and i auditioned for the boys honor choir you know a bunch of boys who haven't gone through puberty yet whatever it is you know and I, I was I was hooked. I was like, dude, this is amazing. So then um, my my school was a big theater arts school and they had just built this brand new theater and they did Titanic the musical. So they got the rights. They even hired like equity adult actors, but they were looking to cast some some of the kids uh, from the school just, you know, because it was the big opening and, and all this stuff. And I got, there's a part, um, there's a, like, a, like a, a bellboy, right? And his name is Edward. And they split the part between me and some other kid as these two bellboys were just running around the ship. And when I got it and I went through the, you know, all the, all the audition process and, and, you know, all the rehearsals, it blew my mind that you could combine acting and singing into one thing. And I think that's when it all just like, you know, I just dove, dove right in. And then, you know, musical theater is one thing, but to be able to do music and acting, uh, you know, like on film and TV, it's a whole nother beast. And, I just feel so lucky that I keep falling into these projects where you're just like, you know, meeting people like Tommy. I mean, Tommy, I literally spoke to someone yesterday and they were like, so, um, you know, the kid playing the guitar, like, uh, you know, how did they fake it? I was like, no, they <laughs> I was like, that kid is that good. They, yeah. they couldn't believe that you were that good. Thank you. And not just That's that, crazy. the songs are amazing. And I, I asked, Tell me this earlier is, is soundtrack available yeah because i tried to look it up on apple but there's like so many other music stuff with mighty oak in it or... so i mean so i have pretty much the, well we re-recorded those songs for the movie to make like a more to make it fit the movie more yeah uh i mean it's the same songs but just we re-recorded it with because my voice i mean i guess i mean if you if you look back at the songs now because they're on spotify my voice is a lot higher when I recorded them originally because your voice changed, you know, dude. I mean, yeah. when you're when you're eight or like nine to ten, when you think of it, like that's ten percent of my life. So that's still like kind of a lot of change in my voice. So, you know. Wow. So, so like, the that's songs are available about. on Spotify, but not Apple Music yet. Is that what it is? Or we yeah. Know. Well, no, no. Well, they're they're no. They when I say Spotify, I mean like all streaming platforms. Sorry, I should have clarified okay. that. But um. I, all of the songs in the movie, I'm pretty sure most of them are available on Spotify and Apple Music, but I don't know if there's like the the whole 
project gotcha. is released yet. It might be though. Well, I know a lot of other projects like songs get cut. Was there anything that was originally supposed to be in this movie that might be on like a soundtrack or some down the road? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that. Um, mm -hmm. I, I don't. I, not not to my knowledge. Gotcha. Well, the music's great, and obviously the story is great. I mean, obviously the chemistry between everybody on set, but it also deals with a lot of heavy issues. I mean, like um, drug addiction, you know, PTSD, you know, dealing with death. You know, that's why I said this is, was like a great roller coaster because you really felt for these characters. I mean, all of us have been in situations similar to that, and this is why we love music and film so much. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, what's what was what was special was watching Tommy uh, for his first time you know, being, being on screen, he literally did such a great job at taking it all in and just really living in the moment. I mean, I think, I think for, for any, uh, you know, like actors coming onto a project, they hear that, you know, a kid's going to be leading the whole thing. The first thing you think is like, can this kid act? Right. And, uh, I'll, I'll never forget, uh, doing the, 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 um, the burial scene and, and we're all watching from afar, you know, and Tommy, you know, like Sean's got the camera all the way in the corner. He's doing a long shot and we're all like holding umbrellas because it's actually raining and it's freezing. And, and Tommy went, you know, he goes up, he's, he's getting poured on, he's touching the, the casket or the, the, yeah, the, yeah, the, the casket yeah. and he's crying. And I'm just like, who is this kid? <laughs> like what? Like I could like that, that takes a lot for me to get to that place. Right. And now, and then, now you have this kid his first time it just like truly truly mind-blowing and then of course you know that he wrote all the music you're just like this is not real uh, thanks carlos well, well actually fun fact carlos um carlos uh he he showed me a, a lot of guitar before uh the filming he showed right, me right 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 okay, yeah. did you give him yeah, any yeah. acting tips though i mean like he said no, he I worked think, really hard on this you know, I, getting ready. i was more uh uh, asking Tommy, I'm like, look, I can play a few chords, but how do I look like I'm playing, like just as good as you, right? I, I just showed him the general, like the general area, and then the whole time he just had his guitar this way, and he's like playing, like you know, he yeah, he, he did Sean, a good job. I though. told Sean, I go, dude, if 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 I do this movie, you got to make me look like I know what I'm doing because I do <laughs> not. Play. And then next to this kid, I'm like, there's there, there's there's no way. And Sean, of course, like, don't worry about it movie magic boom 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 uh, and i thought it came out great i mean all the all the you know um, like right like that that whole opening sequence i think is just it just feels so good yeah yeah that's yeah, i was like maybe, maybe really miss going to concerts though sadly that's all we say oh, about it, you yeah. know just because seeing that connection to the audience and the band on stage you know oh but, yeah but hey you could go watch yeah. this movie and uh, feel it yourself yes. oh. <laughs> All right, so thank you guys so much. The movie is amazing. I can't praise it enough. Uh, it's available on VOD now, and then hopefully we'll find where the soundtrack is exactly. Uh, is there a website exactly where we can link for everything? You know, there's a, an Instagram, the, Instagram. the, uh, the, uh, the uh, Mighty Oak Instagram, and, and they're posting yeah. like crazy. Yeah, it's just Mighty Oak Movie. That's, the, um, that's what it's called. And also, while we're talking about Instagram, uh, yeah. follow oh, me uh -oh. Plug yeah, it, Tommy. Me, plug it. Yeah, follow me on Instagram at Tommy Reagan. Reagan is spelled R-A-G-E-N. Uh, I post uh, a lot of videos of me playing guitar and singing, original songs, a lot of unreleased songs, and also updates about the movie and about a lot of other stuff. So you should go follow me there if you would like. Well, 
Well, Tommy, thank you for keeping the spirit of rock and roll alive, man. Come on, yeah. Carlos, do you have any any upcoming projects you want to talk about or promote? Uh, you know what? We uh, our, our industry is on a pause right now, so we're just waiting for it to come back. But um, I do have a, a, a Hallmark uh, movie uh, premiering in October, so I'm super excited about oh, that. Oh, nice. My, my uh, wife and I do a lot of them together, and this is just a, it's a, it's a, it's a mystery franchise. Uh, it's called Picture Perfect Mysteries. So, you know, it's got the whole whodunit, and this one is really cool. This will be our third one so far. That, so. That's amazing, because usually the hardest part in industry is when you go away on set, you're away from your significant other, but if you have oh, yeah. your wife there, that's awesome. We, we try and do it so much. I mean, my, my, uh, my wife is in this movie also, so, yeah, yeah. so, so every time that we get, uh, get that kind of opportunity, we just jump on it. We're like, dude, the, the whole family comes. I mean, I think Alexa was five or six months pregnant filming this. Really? Luckily, <laughs> luckily, she was, you know, kind of like in a bed for most of the time. So, you know, didn't see it. And yeah, but it, you know what? I, I told her, I said, it really helped with your emotion because pregnant women yeah, can, that, that makes can sense be very emotional. Her I said, hey, this is perfect. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, thank you guys so much. Mario. Go check it out. VOD, everybody. <laughs> hey, thank you so much. Take care, guys. Thank you so much. There you go, everyone. Make sure to check out Mighty Oak on VOD. I can't emphasize how much I love this movie. And now it's time for our throwback interview with Mr. Anthony Anderson. You know, he's an amazing star. He's seen Blackish, loved him at Transformers and so many other film and TV projects he's been a part of. This was at uh, Children's Rights uh, 28th Annual Dinner at the Beverly Hills. And it's such a fan of this guy but when i got there i was told i, I don't think he's gonna have time to do that many interviews so um that's one thing you these red carpets and there's like a you know there's an event going on that i think he was hosting i believe the event or i'm seeing it or doing something so but he did make the time to come down here and you notice if you, these zoom interviews are a lot longer than these red carpet interviews i mean you get like a minute with these actors on the red carpet sometimes and then the PR is gonna whisk them away because they're busy they got to go get ready to do their show or whatever they got or the movie premiere etc so I was kind of bummed I wasn't gonna get hit it but then he actually made it all the way down and that's what made this interview that much special even though it's very short but I love when he talks about uh, his passion for acting came from his mom and it was cool that his mom got to be in the I think it was a T-Mobile commercial I think for the Super Bowl so this was back in uh, February, not too recently after that Super Bowl. So take it away, Mr. Robot Voice Guy. Interview with Anthony Anderson. Hey now, Steve Sievers for Bionic Buzz. We're here at the Alliance for Children's Rights 20th Annual Dinner here at the Beverly Hilton in Beverly Hills, California. It's going to be amazing red carpet. Let's go see who we can talk to. How are you, brother? Talk about hosting this event. wonderful cause. The cause is just great. Uh, you know, in the last 15 years, they've raised you know, over $29 million for 19, oh, over 19,000 uh, children that are in the system that need help. And, you know, just to let them know that they haven't been forgotten about. And, you know, we're here to help them as, as best we can with, with whatever they need. All right, last question. Here at Bonic Buzz, we're about people's passion. You're such an amazing actor, performer. Where did that passion come from? A certain performance inspired it? Was it naturally for you as a kid? You know, I get it from my mother. Uh, you know, my mother was my inspiration. This is all she ever wanted to do when I was growing up and didn't have a chance to do it and uh, you know she put her dreams and aspirations of being an actor on hold to raise an actor uh, so I owe it all to her I love it you did a commercial on it yeah exactly <laughs> and now I'm in the position to employ her as an actor so it's beautiful 
Yeah. I love him. Keep it amazing work. Thank you. No problem. Thank you, brother. All right, well, it's time for our final interview here at Episode 7 of the Bonnie Buzz Celebrity Interview Podcast. Thank you again for wherever you're listening to, Spotify, Anchor, etc. we got new episodes every Thursday, so click that follow button. You can also go to our website, bonniebuzz.com, check out video content of all these interviews, and make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, etc. Everything's at Bonnie Buzz. So this Earlier this week, I got a press release about a new comedy uh, horror movie coming out called Slacks with two X's, and it is about a possessed pair of jeans comes to life that terrorizes the staff of a trendy clothing store. That's right. It's about a killer pair of jeans, and it looks so ridiculous and so funny and just looks like a good time, something we need in this day and age. And I wrote back, and they were like, oh, I... Uh, well, I posted it and I was like, oh, I got to talk to someone about this movie because it looks so good. It's a film producer who actually produced this. He's also one of the co-founders of Horror Collective. I mean, this guy has produced or executive produced 22 feature films, two TV series, many in the horror cult favorites, such as Turbo Kid, Big Ass Spider, The Man Who Killed Hitler, and then Bigfoot. And we talked about this new movie and he had a very interesting backstory about how he got into uh, the entertainment movie film business. So it's really interesting. Enjoy it. I can't wait to see Slacks and everything else the horror collective has got coming out. Thank you again for tuning in, everybody. Interview with film producer, Shake Berenson. So uh, here at Bonic Buzz for all about people's passion. I wonder where your passion for filmmaking came from because you've done so many amazing or you produced so many different movies over your years. Was a certain movie that inspired you to get in the industry or performance, something that was just natural for you? Um, well, first of all, you know, obviously everybody's inspiration is Star Wars. Uh, yeah, behind you. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm a big uh, uh, sci-fi geek. Uh, actually, a lot more than horror, you know, sci-fi. I grew up, uh, I think Terminator was like the one movie that really kind of blew my mind and, and um, scared the shit out of me. Yeah, uh, it's normal. Is it normal as a kid or, or a teenager to have nightmare because of transport of uh, Terminator? Terminator, uh, you're the first uh, I've heard actually. Yeah, um, I had. I, I had nightmares the, about Optimus Prime dying in the original Transformers. No, 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 sorry, sorry, I meant, I'm, 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 I meant uh, Terminator, not Transformers. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Uh, yeah, no, I liked Transformers when I was a kid, but uh, I did own an Optimus Prime. I have to say, it's probably some sort of genre. Rite of Passage, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, and you had to uh, figure out how to transform it on your own, too, which was hard for me. <laughs> yeah, tell me, how um, is your is your uh, site? Is this uh, your podcast? Or I'm sorry. Well, we, we are a website, uh, YouTube, and podcast. So, yeah. Okay, so you're so. doing video or? I'm doing video for my YouTube channel, and then the audio oh, goes on the know. podcast. So, yeah. Hi, Bionic Buzz. How are Hi. you? Yeah. Oh, and you got that Turbo Kid t-shirt on. This is great. Uh, oh yeah. Shirt on. yeah i have uh this is this is my 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 office here at very covid uh appropriate office at home you know yeah yeah i'm surrounded by some fun stuff i have oh here yeah if you want to give a little is, tour yeah this is a japanese oh poster. for turbo kid oh my goodness that looks yeah. so cool yeah right and, and the what's the week, the pink car there it's like animation yeah, stuff or so that's and so that's from my friend Mike Disa. Uh, he's an animation director. We made um, a few films together. We actually just literally yesterday finished another film. 
Okay. Uh, but um, something that maybe some people don't know, but my company actually has different labels, you know, and, and uh, besides making genre and horror movies, I've been also very active in the family animation space. Oh, cool. Uh, what, what's the name, the company? Um, so Entertainment Squad is the umbrella company, but that's gotcha. less known to people. Uh, the horror collective is obviously the horror side. Yeah. Uh, my company that does family animation is called Mr. Puppy because, you know, kind of a dog obsessed. Um, and then I have a label called Gefilte Film, which is for uh, Jewish and Israeli movies. Um, and everything else kind of falls under, oh, look I'm at that. Too. Uh, yeah, I saw you had a Drillizium 2 uh, uh, announced. So that must have been under that one. Yeah, hold on. Let me show you uh, if you want to see. I don't know if you can see. Can you see Space Dogs over there? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right yeah. in the corner. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I'm kind of surrounded uh, by that kind of stuff. But, um, yeah, just to go back to your question. Funny yes. enough, I made movies as a kid. Uh, mm -hmm. I was one of those uh, uh, geeks that, um, in, in no, no better way of calling it, we just like took a DV camera and, and tortured the cat, you know, uh, uh -huh. make a villain from uh, James Bond or something, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. But I never really planned for a career in entertainment. It was always just a hobby, you know, just being a part of the AV club at high school and making fake commercials for, you know, products that would never talk to us. Um, but uh, I came to LA, funny enough, completely not for uh, the film business. I came oh, to, wow. to LA to study economics. And uh, I, I, at the time, I, um, I was licensed to be a bartender and I was looking at, as a job as a bartender. And for the life of me, I could not get a job as a bartender. So I end up- That's shocking in LA because there's so many, you know? <laughs> you know, it's a really high paying job and, you know, it's, it's kind of a perfect job because I came here to be a student. You know, I don't know anybody. You know, you're a young man, you want to meet, you know, women, you want to meet friends, you want to meet people mm -hmm. in the area where you live and work. Um, and it's nights and weekends and, you know, tips are good. Um, so people don't really, you know, leave those jobs. So unfortunately, I, I, you know, I couldn't find a job. So I started working as a personal assistant for a film producer. And that's kind of how I got into the film business. I learned a lot from behind the scenes of both the creative and the business side. And, and I think the fact that I am, um, my background is, you know, I made films uh, as a kid. And uh, it's funny that my friend said that he found one of the DV, like little cassette that has SNS production. And I completely forgot about it uh, when he went to his parents' house just a few years ago. But, um, you know, I play the guitar, I do all painting, I do also have this creative side, but on the other side, I study economics and I'm a very much Excel type kind of person. So I think having that and having, being exposed to both the creative and I was very lucky to have um, mentorship and, and to be exposed to both the creative and the business side of it, I really kind of got into it quickly. Um, and for me, movies as a passion, um, again, I, I never, I know a lot of people come to this town because they want to direct, they want to produce, they want to act, they want to do all this kind of stuff. That was never me. I'm, I'm really excited about people. And, and for me, what's exciting about the movie business is that you and I can be right now in the video, on the Zoom, just coming up with an idea, you know, just, hey, you know, we should make this movie or this anthology or whatever. And then tomorrow, you know, we can pay a thousand bucks to some, somebody to write a script, you know, and try it out and give them the first you know, step in the business and a month later we have 10 people working pre-production and six months later we have a hundred people working. And, you know, when you look at it, 
after two, three years, just by coming up with an idea, we created so many jobs from people, you know, from close to us, you know, writers and directors and, and PAs and who knows what, to people working restaurants and catering, to people working in Germany doing dubbing, you know, or operating a cinema in India, you know, and all of this just because we just came up with an idea and said like, you know, it'd be funny if we have a big spider and the spider kind of like goes on top of the building like with Zilla, you know, that'd be great, you know, and you know, four years later, you created so many job opportunities and put so much um, food on people's tables. And for me, that's really the exciting thing uh, about the movie business. I know it's not really a, a traditional kind of response, but... No, that's why I love asking that question, though. Like, that, it's really interesting. You basically kind of accidentally fell into it. Because just looking at your IMDb, I figured you would have went to college for it. It had been, like, your passion your whole life, but... No, really I took cool. two, two film classes. I took film criticism class. Uh, I bet it was like film criticism 101 or something like that. And in a film production class uh, at UCLA, um, this Professor Merrill, I wonder where he's now. Um, but uh, yeah, I didn't really study film. I study, you know, a lot of economics, a lot of business, a lot of accounting, a lot of uh, business law, you know, things like that, that, that probably would be benefit free. For uh, me. Yeah, for a producer, yeah. I would say it yeah. probably helps a lot, you know? Yeah, but um, just kind of transitioning to, you know, stuff that you maybe want to talk about, but mm -hmm. the fact that I more look at this as investing in people kind of bring me to um, to Slack, you know, and yeah. uh, my uh, collaboration with Anne-Marie from Emma Films in Canada, because uh, we made together um, in this my previous company, Turbo Kid and, and Radio. So this is our third film together. We're in discussion and in various stages for another two. Um, when you find somebody that you have good rapport and they have good work relations and you can trust them, it's more about investing in them as individuals uh, as opposed to investing in projects. So for me, with Anne-Marie come to me with a script or a project or says, this is the one I want to do next. Uh, are you in and out? You know, I, I basically invest in her as opposed to um, a script because God knows like we get so many scripts. You know, when you, um, if you made half a short in Hollywood, for some reason you're a, you know, you're a target and then, you know, oh, he knows how to make it. You know, it's just, it's enough to be in one festival and start getting scripts from every direction. You know, I, I, I can only imagine reading me, a, 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 I swear to God, with a false synopsis he tweeted. Um, through uh, uh, Twitter for, you know, 160 characters at a time. So it's really not about the project, I would say, it's about the people behind it. Yeah. Because you can always rewrite a script, you know, but you cannot change the personalities that you work with. So let's talk about how the concept for Slack came together. I mean, what a, what a very unique thing, these killer genes. Like, that, it looks like it's going to be a really funny and gruesome good time movie, you know? Yeah, so the, the movie is very fun. Uh, it was created by uh, Elsa Kaplat that um, she wrote the script and uh, uh, with her partner, and she brought it again to Anne Marie. So uh, there was all this work being done before uh, it came to me. So uh, the, the project came to me by Anne Marie. It was already after it's been presented at uh, Frontiers in Canada. I don't know. Do you know about the Frontiers uh, co-production market? Uh, somewhat. But why don't you explain for anyone listening? Well, let's explain a little bit. So there are these, uh, what they call co-production markets. And basically they work, um, they all work slightly different, but uh, they're very, you know, similar thing that um, they vet projects and filmmakers. And then the selected ones um, usually come on the stage. They talk about the project, talk about what they need, if they need money, usually they need money. Uh, they need cast, usually they need cast. Uh, 
or anything like that. Um, and then there is people in the audience that are film festivals, executive producers, distributors, uh, financiers that can uh, come on board. And a lot of those um, co-production markets, you do a little bit of speed dating afterwards. So um, each production team kind of have like a little desk and, you know, go shake your hand, you know, send the script or whatever. Uh, they say the lookbook, you know, talk a little bit about yourself. So um, specifically, this project was uh, made by women in the Frontier uh, probably three years ago, uh, Frontier presentation, and uh, Anne-Marie brought it to me when it already had uh, her on board and also the organizations from Canada. So uh, okay. Canadian government is, is very supportive of local uh, filmmakers and there is different uh, funds from the national fund to the, the more regional funds in Quebec. Um, so there was already a bunch of partners um, on board and really she just kind of needed the last piece. And, you know, I told her, you know, we had a good run with uh, Radius and with Turbo Kid. And, and I know that she's very capable uh, in identifying talent and also um, nurturing talent and, you know, make talent, um, help the talent get their vision um, to the film. Uh, so, so again, my, my investment was really in, in more in, in Anne Marie and her team, as opposed to the specific. Yeah, I love that. It always goes back to the people you know and their creative vision. You're investing in, in the person, not the project. So, okay. and of course, it's, it's very a horror comedy. The other filmmakers yeah. out there, and and it's a horror comedy. So you know, it's a fun genre. You know, it's a genre that that I've I've been around. You know, from Biggest Spider or Tales of Halloween or a bunch of other ones. Um, so I I. You know, I want to say I know at least at least I think I know <laughs> how to promote it, but it, it's definitely fun to work on um, as as a filmmaker, as a producer, as um, production company. Um, and yeah, you know, it's a bit of a shame that um, I'm sure you're having the same conversation that uh, movies yeah. come out during the time of Corona and have both benefits and you know for, for, because people are at home and they want to consume content and um, I'm sure that you as many of your you know viewers oh, yeah. like oh, uh, i used to just do red carpet interviews now it's everything's over zoom now so everything is on zoom yeah you know but uh, but you need the content on the other hand you can't you know go to the festival so you know it started exactly. with south by southwest being canceled and you know comic-con and and fantastic fest and uh b-fan uh you know i was you know i usually go to uh korea for that one it's it's a shame. Um, I think the festivals, um, that's a whole different conversation. They're all scrambling to figure out what is the yeah, alternative so or read, what is the next evolution. I read this was going to have this world premiere at a film festival, but now the film festival is delayed a year. Is that what's going on? So um, I don't know how much of their their um, format they discuss publicly, but basically the festival is, is you know, mainly online. So um, Okay, gotcha. I think a lot of the festivals, what they do is they figure out platforms that they can allow viewers to buy or see the more for free or whatever, or with, with uh, passes. And it's limited to a certain region because when you have a festival, usually it's really, you know, restricted to a specific region and uh, maybe specific seats, you know, so you can have 5 million people just watching the movie for free or, or something mm -hmm. like that. But uh, each festival, I think they're all kind of trying to figure out uh, how to do this? Obviously, it's uh, it's it's festivals going into basically the VOD world, and there is you know it's a mature business with players like Apple and 
and Amazon and, and Netflix there. So it's, it's kind of interesting to see how everything falls, uh, falls in place. Uh, the Cannes Film Festival, the, the digital virtual Cannes, uh, just finished, you know, there is a lot of people say it was uh, good to do it. There is some criticism and, you know, and, and, and like, like everything, you know, everything that you're yeah. going to do. <laughs> 20% lover, 20% haters, and everybody else. Exactly. <laughs> There's always but, gonna be some troll somewhere about something. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's good to create event uh, oh, um, around cinema, you know, because it is it is a, a, a product that you consume with other people, and 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 a part of enjoying a film or a TV series is the ability to talk about it and dissect it and argue with people about it. Um, it's funny, me and my wife, we're now watching Lost because she never seen it and it's been uh, long enough and, and, you know, so I could forget some of the plot lines and, you know, it's fun to like watch these things and try to figure out how, you know, where is it going, you know? And, and yeah. I think that to create those events on VOD, there is, you know, the technology like with Zoom to create those uh, type of environments so you can still interact with other people while you're staying at home um, safely. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, before I let you go, is there any other upcoming projects you'll have to talk about or promote? Um, a lot of different I'm, umbrellas I'm and stuff. I think what, uh, what we have. So, you know, the Horror Collective is just started releasing uh, movies in February. It's my new company, mm -hmm. um, or my new label for, for the new company. And uh, right now we have out um, a few wonderful films. We have a film called uh, Greenlight. We have a Spanish movie, uh, the, the first horror movie from Panama. Uh, called Diablo Opo. Uh, we have. I saw the trailer. Uh, it's like Paris. a witch one, right? Um, yes, it's so it's based on uh, folklore or, or local folklore. Um, that I'm not gonna say because I'm gonna butcher with my pronunciation. I'm gonna butcher the way it's supposed to sound. But um, it's cool because it's when you take local folklore that's been around in Latin America and in Panama for generations. And then you put modern spin on it, uh, and it does include witches and and cannibalism and all sorts of creatures and fun stuff. Um, so so that's out now. We just released a couple of weekends ago a movie called uh, Two Heads Creek, which is a UK Australian horror comedy, uh, which is a lot of a uh, lot of fun. Uh, we're coming out with a World War II kind of vampire uh, movie called Blood Vessels coming up, and we have uh, a slasher called The Dare. So. We try to have a very interesting mix of, of different things. We have uh, some serious movies like um, The Parish, The Newest Abortion, um, and, and you know, Demon Inside People um, that, that involve that without kind of giving too much away. So we have interesting projects that, that we've been released so far. We try to be eclectic and we try to fulfill our mission of supporting independent um, horror and giving space for voices that maybe would not have gotten as wide releases as, as possible. Um, obviously, you know, we cannot put things in theaters. Um, uh, I think The Dare was the last one that came out in a few theaters, but uh, pretty much after that, it's kind of went off the map. But uh, we're looking forward to put movies in cinemas when the world coming, you know, turn, turn back to normal. You know, hopefully yeah. we're gonna get, um, we're gonna get vaccines soon and, uh, and, and have people back, back in the cinema enjoying the movie. Uh, I miss it. I miss yeah. that concerts, but you know we gotta stay home and be safe. So yeah, I tell you, I tell you what I don't miss as much is going to restaurants. I actually enjoy uh, cooking at home and and staying at home uh, uh, with the dogs and with the wife. You know, it's uh, it's funny. I know my wife really misses going out, but you know for me it's like yeah, I enjoy being at home. 
uh, but going to cinema and concerts. You know, I live right by the Hollywood Bowl. And, oh, nice. Uh, area during the summer, the traffic is just insane. Yeah, I was going to say, it's, it's cool when you want to walk there, but probably when yeah. you have to drive around for the concert. Yeah, I usually have guests or, or people that ask to park here so they're not to pay, you know, $20 <laughs> or $40 for this to park uh, the Hollywood Bowl. Uh, but it's been a, a quiet uh, summer so far to the quiet season because, you know, the Hollywood Bowl hasn't been active. So um, we, we used to go at least two or three times a season. So, you know, definitely looking oh, forward to Oh, absolutely. That. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you kind of have to if you live by there. <laughs> I feel like. And South by Southwest, of course, you know, it's like, I don't know how, yeah. how to do this without going twice a year to Austin to, uh, to get some barbecue. Oh uh, yeah, for me, like San Diego Comic Con is my ultimate event to cover, and it's well, it's gonna be virtual this year. I'm actually gonna be doing interviews, like I'm like back in a green room, so it's gonna be cool. Oh, but that's awesome. Yeah, yeah we, can, uh, we can do some uh, interviews with some of our talents. But uh, yeah, it's it's strange. I think we received. Uh, I was traveling, and they sent an email about that they either canceling it or you can delay. You can push your ticket to next year or yeah. get a refund or something like that. But I haven't looked at it yet. Um, but yeah, you know, Comic Con obviously it's it's yeah they're yeah. they're doing virtual virtual panels and uh, over, basically everything's over Zoom so yeah. announcements and stuff too so we'll see how it goes so I'm excited though either way <laughs> yeah I look forward to going back to go to the conventions and the festivals you know it's going to be fun because everybody's going to be so amped to go so I think once we open again it's going to be a great few years. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking your time and putting this together until the last minute. You know, I love it. I just got a press release, put it up. I was like, this is great. Let's talk about it. And he's like, help. Let's do I know. It's over here. It's easy. Right on. <laughs> All, right. All right. Thank you, thank so, you so much, much man. Thank you. Really appreciate it. All right. Take care. Bye-bye.